Digilog fam, it's your boy Drew. Hope you all are staying safe and creative at home. Super excited for episode 17 of the L's, AK Lessons Learned. Uh, we have a special guest today, Tammy Luttrell, um, CEO of the Mezzo Agency, uh, equity investor of the labs, published songwriter, and just overall dynamic digital creator, content creator. Um, without further ado, Tammy Luttrell, what's going on? Hey, Happy Drew. Sunday. Happy Sunday. Thank you so much for having me. So happy absolutely, to be here. Absolutely. Um, so for the audience, um, we actually met in Atlanta for our offline meetup. Just want to just see how you're doing. How's the family? How's quarantine been? Um, how have you pivoted during this pandemic? Yeah. Um, you're busy. I see, I see you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I mean, family is great. My daughter, uh, she's actually in Houston for the summer with her dad. Uh, she comes back next week. She'll be 13 this year. Can't believe I have a preteen. Uh, but she's great. My mom as well. She lives here in Atlanta with me. Um, I've just been staying in, you know. I, um, I'm a homebody anyway, so quarantining, you know, is kind of like the day-to-day -day for me. Uh, you know, I still have frequent meetings and stuff, and I have to go to different studio sessions and things like that regarding mezzo but um for the most part you know i'm pretty much locked down here in the house i got my studio set up my monitors i got my lighting you know my headphones my mic pretty much everything i need is it all in one room and this is my bedroom so <laughs> so when i'm done i just hop right on over there <laughs> but overall um you know i've been quarantining pretty pretty well and just staying safe and you know just advising my team uh, who works for Mezzo also, you know, we do our weekly calls on Tuesdays and we have our monthly calls with the entire um, creative team as well. Um, just, you know, for everybody to stay safe. And, and, and so we've been weathering through it. Yeah, you know, what's super interesting, I'd love to just really hear stories just because of all the creatives have had to pivot. They've transformed their homes into like creative sets, yeah. uh, whether it's like studios, uh, little studio um, setups at home or like now, like offices at home. Um, so it's really cool. And obviously it's still an adjustment, but I think people are, are making those adjustments and still being able to progress, right? We've seen yes. that. Yes, I, I, you know, I'm not against working from home and I'm not against being able to travel or be away from the office and still be able to get my work done, you know? Um, I actually like the fact that everyone is learning a new way to be productive, you know? Um, and it's also providing uh, people the opportunity to learn how to balance because now you are at home. So you have to still balance family time and work and just kind of make it all mesh together. You know what I'm saying? So uh, before, you know, there are probably some families that were waiting on daddy or mom to come home. And now it's like mom is at home every day. Dad is at home every day. So now we, you know, the, the world is just learning how to, you know, compartmentalize and, and, and balance you know so i think it's a cool thing even though you know provided the circumstance and just the tragedy that has you know uh definitely that we've all been wrought with but overall you know i try to always look at things from a positive standpoint um yeah. and 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 you know we all have responsibility so ultimately the responsibility is at home with your family as well as you know with your business and you know even taking care of yourself of yourself as well you know 
I think that's the most important thing that we, we don't often um, talk about is really like self-care and mental health, right? Yes. So, you know, I think as entrepreneurs um, or just creatives in general, you know, we're always about the, the hustle, productivity, uh, getting our product out, um, and then dealing with just the pressures of just, you know, completing these projects. But amidst all the social things that are happening in the world, things that were affected and yeah. society, um, family, and just general, you know, I think self, you know, just mental health is so important. Yeah, you know, it is. To, to, to monitor. Yeah, I definitely agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, mental health has been definitely one of um, the uh, defining moments in my life, becoming an entrepreneur in 2017. Um, I want to say about February, March, oh. when I left Radio One. I had been there for nine years and, um, you know, just kind of being caught in that whole cookie cutter, monotonous routine, hamster on the wheel, doing the same thing every single day. You may have some extra challenges here. You may get an extra bonus here. You may, you know, have a little fun over here, but overall it's still the same. And, uh, you know, becoming an entrepreneur was definitely uh, quite a life-changing experience for me. I literally had to start and just reset my mind and, and uh, start studying and learning the lifestyle of an entrepreneur because it just requires so much mental work. Uh, whereas if you have a job working for someone, they kind of give you your role and you kind of know what you need to stay, you know, the confinements of, stay within the confinements of, you know, what time you come in, you know, what time you get off. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're working for yourself. So your time <laughs> is whenever you start to whenever the job is done. And then you're, you know, wearing multiple hats and, you know, just doing a lot. And so it was definitely something that I had to learn, you know, um, how to make time for myself. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety back in 2012. And, um, and so I worked corporate America with anxiety you know the whole entire time uh, and it was just due to stress because I have a high stress tolerance level um, and so my doctor informed me like when you work at such a high capacity your body almost doesn't know when it's like you know when it's when it's like on overdrive until you just reach that peak of crashing down you know and that's with the mental congestion the body tingling, the body sweating, just really not being able to gain control of yourself and, you know, even having to go to the hospital a few times from, you know, like panic anxiety. And so uh, I have definitely had to change my lifestyle habits. I eat so much better now. Uh, I've always been active, so I work out at least three times a week. Nice. But I mean, I literally, I have a juicer and Yes. I have to eat protein, you know, to to keep, you know, just that, that, uh, a little bit of that masculine energy going, you know, I hate to say it like that, but you know, yeah, exactly. fruits and vegetables only going to take you so far, you know, I need some substance sometimes, you know, Facts. Facts. but, uh, especially working in the industry I'm in. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I've just had to really adapt a whole new lifestyle of rest. You know, I, I rest, I sleep in, I rest a lot when I have the off time and, um, I don't have a television in my room. Um, I barely watch TV. I probably keep up with the news based off of what's going on on social media, but I'm just, I'll just, I'm not a TV junkie. I just don't have the time. Um, any downtime I'm getting, I'm resting. 
I drink a lot of water. I have a big gallon of water next to my bed that I, you know, I'm drinking on a consistent basis. And then, you know, I take time away to spend with family and I make um, those moments with my brothers and sisters to just talk to them and get in their world and just get away from everything, you know, call my parents, my grandparents, my close friends, you know, and um, just like I said, it's all about balance, man. And now I think that that has really helped me with, uh, you know, coping and, and trying to stay above, you know, especially in this point, in this climate of where we are in the world, you know, uh, that has definitely helped is just trying to stay balanced. And when it's time to stop, just stop, you know, and don't try to, oh my God, I can't, no, take a break, rest, come back to it, you know, with a fresh brain. And so that, that has really helped with mental health. 100%. And I think, you know, as creatives and, you know, people that are always hustling, I think we have a notion that we have to accomplish everything at a certain timeline or we obviously always have goals. Everyone's very goal oriented. I think those yeah. are the common characteristics. But if you add those goals and you multiply those goals, you know, everything kind of adds up. So you reach a certain kind of tipping point where it's to your point earlier, it's like, you just become super overwhelmed and your body shuts down and yeah. you know, no one wants to get there. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we've all had our moments, you know, I know I sure I have, mm -hmm. but um, you know, even today, like being able to go outside to the park, like yes. help me. There's nothing like some good sunshine. Right. And yeah. just being out in nature. I think that is so, so important, especially now, like we all need to stay grounded, you know, take your shoes off, walk in the grass, you know, like sit under a tree, you know, right. and, and do your work, you know, bring your laptop, make sure it's charged, make sure your phone is charged and like, just sit in nature and work, you know, bring, you know, you should have a, everybody should have a hotspot on their phone by now, you know, if we're entrepreneurs, right. Right? right? I mean, get to work, but just change up the environment and like, you know, really, you know, try to change the scenery so it's just not the same humdrum every day, you know, same environment. So I think that's that's great that you were able to get out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this, these are actually really great points for the community, everyone that's listening. Um, I think you made some great suggestions. Staying hydrated, uh, yes. reevaluating your, your diet in terms of just like, because that will definitely affect your productivity. Yes. Um, making sure when you do have that, that downtime to rest, that you're not just watching TV and really resting your brain mm. and your body at the same mm. time, right? Um, yes. Don't get caught up in just like the news and just like, you know, really, really, really just kind of detaching yourself. From, Absolutely. Uh, so super key. Um, but more importantly, just super excited just to, because everyone knows you for who you are now, but for the folks and even people that you may know, may not know how things got started. Like, what did you, grow up, you know, who are your early influences in music and what was that initial moment that sparked your interest as a, as an, as a songwriter? Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas, born and raised. Um, I'm a graduate of Texas Southern University, HBCU. Uh, I, from the time I was like about five or six years old watching video, so I knew that I wanted to be a singer I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I wanted to be an actress. Like, I just had my whole mindset of, you know, I was going to be in Hollywood, you know, somewhere, some way, somehow. Um, I would sit there and watch Whitney Houston and Michael and, you know, everybody that was in rotation on BET, you know, and just really get lost in that world because it was just so different from my circumstance at the time. You know, we grew up in the projects a little bit for a little while. 
and right. then transitioned over into once my parents both got remarried and everything we were you know able to be in a much better neighborhood and and um you know just have a better quality of life and so mm-hmm. uh, you know music has just always been there as our safe haven my mother she sang in high school her and my father actually sang together my dad he's an awesome he's an awesome bass player and he can sing um and you know though they weren't together like they I think they divorced around the time I was like five um you know they were still influential on both sides you know um and then he actually you know was very very into the business of music young um during his 20s and 30s you know managing different artists and he worked with Lil Troy on some things and Scarface um before Scarface was with the ghetto boys and you know so I just kind of was exposed to that background really early um and then I sung a lot in school and I was in all the talent shows and I was in girl groups and rap boy girl groups like the junior mafias and all of that. I was like the only girl, you know, I had a bit of a tomboy flair growing up, just, you know, very aggressive and, you know, wanting to climb trees and do all the stuff that the guys were doing, but still I had my girly side too, you know? So, um, yeah, I just knew that that, I, I just knew that music was going to be my thing and, by the time I got in high school, um, I joined a girl group called Best Kept Secret. And um, I don't know if you guys know Brooke Valentine, but she's on Love and Hip Hop. That's my sister, well, always will be my sister. We uh, started off in that girl group together in Houston. And, um, and so, you know, things kind of fell apart with our third member and all of that stuff. So we all, you know, went our own way. and her career took off from there, which I'm so proud of, um, proud of her and everything that she's accomplished and everything she's working on now. Right. Um, but then I became a solo artist and I signed with this indie label. By that time, I'm like 17 going on 18. Right. I graduated high school with a 4.1. I left home cause I was right. like tired of my mom cussing me out cause I was coming in late yeah. from the studio late night and performing at all the clubs when I wasn't supposed to be there, you know, just trying to just break myself, you know? Yeah. And I just got tired of breaking rules and getting in trouble. Cause I was a good kid. I just was like, I already had my mindset that this is what I was going to do. And I just didn't want to be disrespectful anymore. So I left home at 17 and, um, I just, my mom was so worried about me, but she was just like, I mean, you know, I ain't never really been able to tell you what to do anyway. You kind of just have done your own thing since you've been out. So since you came out of me so <laughs> so I was like look I just need your prayers and your blessings I'm gonna be all right you know let yeah, me just yeah. figure this out <laughs> so uh but yeah she's been my number one fan my mom is just she's incredible and uh you know she gave me the strength that I needed you know just by me seeing her work every day in corporate and 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 you know take care of me and my other three siblings in our home um so once I got on my own, I, jo- I joined this indie label and things really were not going in the direction that I wanted them to. I just couldn't really see a future there because I saw how they were kind of handling the other artists. And I was like, eh, I'm going to have to move around. Mm. The defining moment is a year later, I'm a freshman at Texas Southern University in my apartment. My mom calls me and she's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in my dorm. What's up? She's like, uh, turn it on one two right now because Whitney Houston is on the radio singing your song. 
And I was like, what? What? Now, mind you, I left the label a year prior. Mm -hmm. So I had no contact with them at all. I had already put in my release. I had already been working on my next solo project. I was just going to thug it out on my own and just figure out how to do this independently. I'm all for the independent movement. So, you know, I just didn't even think twice about that situation because I knew it wasn't healthy or conducive for, you know, the direction I was trying to go, go towards right. anyway. And uh, come to find out, they actually sold the song to her uh, once I left the label. You know, they're like, well, shoot, we are the record label. We own the rights because, mm-hmm. you know, in most cases, that's what happens. You know, they own the masters. But what they didn't know is that I owned the original copyright for all my songs. Mm-hmm. And so while I was just focused on being a songwriter, that was the define. I mean, focused on being an artist. That was the defining moment that said no you're now a songwriter wow well i can only imagine i mean one you know just being able to um define yourself during high school as as this artist right not necessarily having the support from your mom at that moment you know leaving at 17 creating opportunities for yourself signing with this indie label obviously that's not working out but you have a song with them where a year later you're at school and you get this call from your mom and then you hear this song on the radio. Like, what was your reaction? Like, what was going through your mind? Man, I didn't know whether to scream, like, out of excitement because it's still Whitney Houston. You know, this is my my idol, you know. This is what every Black girl dreamed of being, you know, when they were watching her on television. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I didn't know whether to scream out of excitement or scream out of, like, pure what the hell you know I was just like, like shocked I was just like I just was stuck for a minute you know it took me a couple of man it took me a couple of hours to try to like think it through like what the hell how did this happen you know so yes. once I started like making some phone calls and just kind of connecting the dots you know I found out that um uh the record label was good friends with Bobby and they were all in Miami having a good time and mm-hmm. Um, come to find out that was a part of the good time is they were playing songs and, you know, Whitney heard my song and it actually resonated with what she was going through at the time. You know, she was under very, very, um, tense and, 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 and very, uh, controversial media, uh, criticism, uh, you know, because of the abuse and Bobby being in jail and drug use and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, it just really wasn't a good time for her career. However, it felt to her like an empowering song because it was just basically like, why you all in me and my man's business? You know, so the name of the song is What You Looking At by Whitney Houston. Yeah, that's for the audience to know. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy because I like wrote that song after I left the club with my ex-boyfriend and it was these girls Uh like, staring at us and like hating, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, what you looking at? You know, I just came home and wrote a song to it. And then it became like a song that Whitney Houston sang. <laughs> it's crazy. That's, that's, that's amazing. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing about songwriting because it's all driven by experience. So, yep. you know, the fact that, you know, you wrote it right after the, the, the club is, is actually normal. Like I've seen that happen so many times, like where 
it's not about just going to a studio session. It's like literally just writing from something that's fresh off your that moment. <laughs> writing life, yeah, writing yeah. life, yeah. Yeah, that that's amazing. So, what's like the next step? So, you're in school first year, right? And then mm -hmm. you get this call. You're making calls for yourself. Like, what's next steps for you? So then I had to get in touch with the CEO, and we had to have a talk, <laughs> boss to boss. Okay. <laughs> Because now I got to put my big girl, you know, britches on, like, wait a minute, bro. You are not about to destroy my career and take what the every, only thing I have are my songs, you know? So once I talked to him and was like, look, I got the original copyright for this record. I was a bit of a troublemaker when I was there anyway, because I'm very outspoken and I always have been the underdog. So I've always been the one that's going to ask the questions that no one wants to ask, wants you to ask. I'm going to like, you know, review my contracts and try to understand what they mean at 17 years old you know like I was that girl you know and uh and so you know he kind of just always like oh girl you always causing trouble you always running your mouth you always this you always that so when we met you know he literally didn't believe what I told him I think he just wanted to meet to kind of like say well you want me to just pay you a little something? You know, well, you did sign yeah. the contract. He came at me on some really trying to just stun me a little bit, you know? Really he already had money. He was wealthy, you know, that sort of vibe. And uh, yeah, once I proved to him that I had the copyright, the whole conversation shifted. And I was just like, look, I can either shut this entire song down and nobody gets paid off the entire album because that's all I have to do is just file a dispute or we can go ahead and negotiate a fair share for myself, for you, and for Whitney, and we can keep it moving, you know? And so I gave him an option. I didn't even ask. It was just like, it's either this or that. And, you know, and, you know, he chose the latter. And uh, I'm still getting royalties from that song to this day. Amazing. And I think this is a great lesson learned um, where, you know, given the opportunity that with this indie label, you know, it's not just about signing the contract and just because you, you get, you're getting signed, but doing your due diligence to protect yourself. And for mm -hmm. a lot of the young artists, songwriters, and producers that are listening to this, do, you, do your homework, you know, have you know, legal representation, um, make sure as a writer you own the copyright. Well, we'll go into that yes. later, but yeah. that was a lesson learned. Um, yeah, it definitely was. Define, it, it was, was, it, was it was a defining moment for my life because I mean like I honestly don't know where I would be right now <laughs> in my career yeah. had that not happened to me because I mean I mean I probably would I, I think I would still be great you know I think God is blessing me and giving me enough wisdom and intelligence to be successful at whatever it is that I do but I just think at that moment that was just kind of like this is what I designed you for Tammy this is what you do because it was completely out of my hands. It was completely out of my control. I literally just was the creator. And right. through that song, through that willpower of me creating came a career that will ultimately, you know, expose me through to so much, you know, from there, I was able to work with several producers and songwriters. Um, but I got offered a major publishing deal with EMI Music Publishing under right. Big John Platt. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so talk about that because, like, after the the Whitney opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, now you're kind of pivoting into a songwriter. 
how, you know, what was that kind of switch for you, like, in terms of transitioning? Um, you know, I really, I had been, I, I really feel like I had went through a bit of a boot camp prior to me getting signed to EMI. Um, and I'll say that because I worked with um, Errol McCullough, everybody calls him E-Poppy, but he produced Dangerously in Love for Beyonce. And he, um, he's from Houston also. And before I got my deal with EMI, which was put together and orchestrated by him, um, he really like taught me the game of songwriting. And I remember the first thing he said was, you have to detach yourself from these songs. Like, I know you write them from experience. I know this is about your heartbreak that you just experienced with your boyfriend, but we have to sell these songs. So you cannot get so caught up to where you're like, oh, I think I might want to keep this and I think I want to use this for my album. No, 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 no. When you become a songwriter, there are no songs that you keep to yourself. Everything is for sale. Okay. And everything has a value. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it took me a minute to kind of adjust to that, that mentality. But I will tell you, once I adopted that mindset, I was able to create and be so productive because it was just, we were just spitting them out. You know, we come up with these ideas from scratch or sometimes he'll pull up an idea that he had done, you know, maybe a few weeks back and just didn't know what to do with it. And I may hear something and go in and lay a melody down. And then I transcribe the words and making lyrics. Next thing you know, we got a song that he started on, like I said, a couple of weeks, a week back, but now it's a full record. Right. And so I think uh, that was like the first lesson was just as a songwriter compared to an artist, you know, an artist is just more passionate and sensitive about, you know, what comes out, you know, right. because it's like, it has to reflect their brand and what they want people to learn and know about them. And, right. you know, the vibe has to be set. When you're a songwriter, if you're a great songwriter, you can write about anything. You can write from any voice. You can write from any, you know, you can write about any situation. Um, and even, you know, your styles can change. Whereas as an artist, you're more confined into what people know you to do, you know? Right. And that's why it's really hard for, for artists to evolve quickly if they're just all over the place. You got to kind of, you know, make sure you stick to that same vibe with your target audience. Otherwise, they'll be like, oh, not really feeling that that's not what I'm used to listening yeah. to and how many times have we listened to an artist love their first album but then their second album comes out and they like go into a different direction and you're like what the hell what happened you know yeah. so as a songwriter I don't have to worry about that I could mm -hmm. just write I could just create I can just be whoever it is I want to be that day you know and and luckily for me I, right. I was able to write from both perspectives I think being around guys a lot I learned mm -hmm. how they think doing business with guys um, and, you know, me kind of being always the adopted little sister, you know, just being around and seeing how they interact with women and just the games they be playing. And, you know, I got a chance to be able to learn things. So I was able to write from their perspective as, also, as well as, you know, write, write from a female perspective too. So it was really a, a good, um, like I said, boot camp for me. And then by the time I was introduced to John and, you know, he liked my stuff and Tubby, you know, who also was like, you know, instrumental with signing me as well. Um, you know, things just moved pretty quickly. I was able to hop on a plane. You know, they wow. booked out my sessions. Look, this is who I want you with this day, that day, that day. And it's like, man, it was like a blind date every day. You know, you don't know who you're going to meet, but you got to go right. in and you got to make magic, you know, just make it happen. And so uh, it was really, really a great transition for me. And uh, 
and and you know it, it started taking off yeah i think you made some really great points um from a songwriting perspective one not to be attached to your songs mm -hmm. right you know not every, even though to your personal experiences but at the end of the day it's like you want to be able to sustain your certain lifestyle build generational wealth for yourself mm -hmm. um and not just be like well i want to put this song out but it's actually another artist would, would have actually did something better with it absolutely uh, super important and then to your point as a for a lot of the songwriters that are watching this uh you can make yourself even more dynamic when you're gender neutral to be able to write from both perspectives um so this way you're not necessarily just writing for male or female but both. right but both yeah yeah and, uh, and you know i love i love the i love the era that we're in now where everything is just kind of fluid you know you have a lot more people who can just write from both perspectives you have a lot more women who are in the lgbtq and vice versa guys who are also on that side that are writing songs that are even acceptable you know to mainstream in some you know some genres depending on how dope the song is nobody cares about all of that other stuff we just right. like the record right. you know exactly. whereas years ago that was kind of hard for artists to be able to break through like that or even songwriters to be able to write and it actually gets picked up um by an artist that would actually perform something like that so i just think it's really we're at a great place now just creating and you know it's not dictated or predicated upon what a label wants you to create i mean there's so many independent artists that are just writing from whatever they're currently going through and they're just bubbling up on streaming platforms and getting a lot more streams and notoriety and and now major major artists are even paying attention you know right right um you know even in the songwriting space so but just because I think for a lot of folks that are not songwriters, you don't understand like how the the right vibe, the right session, the right collaborate collaborative vibe, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, what what was your process like? You know, was it were you a person that started a melody, you know, or worked kind of off, you know, just just kind of listening to like different beats? Like, what was kind of that initial? approach to songwriting given that this these weren't necessarily your your songs per se uh -huh. but you're writing for other people uh i could definitely tell you when i first started i always kind of came up with my own ideas melodies and you know even without a track but the more and more i started working with producers i'm not gonna lie i became very dependent on trying to find a track that inspires me you know mm. uh i was not you know, at home and just like came up with a melody and laid it down, right. you know, I, I was kind of like out of that mode. Now, over the last maybe 10 years, I would say there have been times where I may be in a kitchen cooking and a great idea comes and I can just pick up my phone and like, you know, record the idea and just get back to doing whatever I was doing. But during that time, because I was still a student and I was new to this whole world of create creating right. as a writer, I really started getting dependent on finding tracks and producers that I had chemistry with because that really helped fuse a great song together you know right. um like I was saying it's kind of like a blind date you know when you're yeah. going and meeting all these different producers they just assigned you to the session you don't know who this person is the goal is for y'all to just see if something is there and then once you get there you start vibing out and not all the time is it going to be good not all the time will you actually you know vibe out now i haven't really had any horrible experiences mm -hmm. but i've just had some sometimes where you meet different producers and depending on their intentions they may be on some other stuff and it's just like 
yo, I'm not here for all of that. <laughs> or, right. or yeah. you know, it may be that the song came out dope, but, you know, something was just off with the track. So I like the song and I like what I did, but I really wasn't necessarily feeling the track and I had to kind of force it, you know? Right. And so that has yeah. happened to so many different situations, you know, even where, you know, sometimes the producer come meet you and you're like, okay, yeah, so this is my folder full of tracks, you know, let me know what you like, what you don't like. And I go through some stuff. I'm like, oh, I like this. I like that. Okay. All right. Put that to the side. All right. I'll see you later. It was nice meeting you. Um, you know, if you need anything, I'm about to head home or I'm about to go wherever, just call me, you know? And so you like, oh, you're not going to collab uh, with me, you know? So, but there've yeah. been times I've had producers who have been extremely, you know, collaborative and they understand the process from beginning to end, you know, starting from nothing to something. And so, you know, you just have to be very, very flexible as a writer because you don't know what you're going to experience, but you right. just want to make sure bottom line that um, you actually uh, deliver on your end, right. which is to make sure that you got a finished song, you know? No, that, 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 you know, I wanted to point that out because, you know, you may be into like, you, you might have like an eight hour session, but you'll have like initial ideas that you'll create, but more often than not, you, you, you may not accomplish a song, but you'll have a lot of ideas mm -hmm. and you'll probably go back to it. Am I, am I right? Like those are sometimes. Sometimes, I mean, I'm very like get the job done because the more songs I have, that's more catalog, which to me is more real estate. Cause that's how I look at songwriting right. and publishing. And right. so I'm just trying to get songs done. Even if it is an idea, I don't want to force it, but if I have the capability to go ahead and finish the song, even if I'm not really feeling the track, I can right. always take my vocals and like do something else with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can always use that song as an inspiration to another song. So I just have True. to get in the rhythm of creating songs, create, 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 you know, push through and get it done, you know? Um, and if that idea isn't working and you don't want to force it, go to another song. But by the time you leave that studio for those four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, you need to make sure that you are leaving with the product, you know? Right. right. And I think that's super important for a lot of our young songwriters that are watching this, um, that you still have to have a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes even though you may not necessarily be feeling emotionally, um, you know, yet, yet from a business of songwriting, to your point, building your catalog, this is where that comes in and to be able to finish it. So we'll, we'll go into that in a minute. Yeah. But uh, I think those are really great points. So you signed this publishing deal mm -hmm. in 2002. What's, what's happening? So you're in these different sessions. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm traveling. I'm working in New York. I'm in LA. I'm in Miami. Um, you know, I did finish school, so I was going back and forth from college wow. to, <laughs> to all these different places. Let's add that know. in there. She yeah. finished school while this was happening. I finished school, so I started, um, TSU in 2001, because I took, like, a little break in between, um, and, uh, I literally would come in town, go to class, go to my little part-time internship job for a couple of hours, and, you know, do that for a couple of days. And I made, you know, I had a, an apartment on campus for like two years. And then on the weekend, I would fly out, you know, and go wherever I needed to go and 
sometimes I wouldn't have to leave, which was great because I got a chance to kind of experience, you know, HBCU life, you know, going right. to all the parties and stuff like that every now and then. But I was just really so heads down focused. And a lot of times, I'm not going to lie to you, Drew, I could not relate to a lot of my friends that was on campus because, oh, yeah. you know, they had this whole idea of I'm going to go to school and give me a nine to five and make all this money because this is what I'm was told that college is supposed to provide for me but I'm like I'm in a studio <laughs> you know yeah. and so um so you know I, I kind of found a tribe a little bit you know on campus of people who also were artists that were you know trying to be in the industry in Houston locally but it still was different because I would leave there and be on campus you know walking down the tiger walk but then I would fly out and I'm in LA riding down sunset you know so yeah. I just the experience for me was very, uh, like I said, I had to be very flexible to just experience whatever happened because I, I was doing a lot. And then, you know, it took me from the time I got signed, it mm -hmm. actually, and I didn't even know it was this long, but it took me six years to get my next placement. Wow. You see what I'm wow. saying? And that was on Keisha Cole's album. That, that song, I wrote, called, I wrote a song called Falling Out. Right. Um, that song, actually, the whole album went platinum and was Grammy nominated. So that was a great, great, great time for us. Um, but before that, I was just signed as a writer that had an right. advance from the publishing company to get songs done and to build relationships and build catalog. So it right. didn't happen overnight. Like, of course, I had the Whitney Houston there. But, you know, after you have that one success, you're like... Yeah what's the next, when is the next one going to happen, you know? And it didn't happen overnight. It took me six years right. before I got another placement, but I just never stopped the grind. I was still getting right. through school, traveling back and forth, working with this person, working with that person. And uh, man, I tell you, it was amazing how it happened. I was actually um, pregnant with my daughter. Wow. And um, I remember my ex-husband and I were getting ready for bed you know, and I'm just kind of like winding down. I think I had like been out with my mom all day. I had moved back to Houston from Atlanta because I knew, you know, we had a family we were trying to raise together and stuff. And I, I had been out all day. I was so exhausted. And then I just got this random phone call, like from Big John. <laughs> he was just like, hey, uh, that song that you did for Brandy, um, Ron Fair wants it for Keisha Cole. So we're going to place it on her. Okay, congratulations. And I was like, what? Seriously, I wrote that song like eight months ago, six months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that just it 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 happened just like that. I'm just writing and writing and writing. So could you imagine how many songs I've done in six years? Wow. And one placement out of six years went platinum and was nominated for a Grammy, you know? Wow. But had I stopped and given up, I wouldn't have gotten there, you know? <laughs> I think that's super important to, to know, just to understand the publishing space, because to your point, like you did get the Whitney placement, but you know, I think you as a songwriter, you're still building your credibility, you're, you're, you're sharpening your craft yeah. and building and being able to catch that stride where, you know, a lot of folks, you're not guaranteed these placements just because you have, you know, just because you're signed. Or yeah, just because you got a deal, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it it could just be the fact that they signed you and advanced you money. And, you know, but it takes, it's your responsibility to follow through on the records. It's your responsibility to communicate with your publisher, to let them know what you're working on. Um, they too should have an obligation to you to be able to 
you know what they're looking for. So you actually know what to create songs for or who to create for. But, you know, it takes, a, it's, a, it's a team effort. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting around waiting for them to cater right. to my needs. You know, we're both in business together. So therefore we need to contribute on both sides. Right. Um, I think you make a great point because whether it's a publishing deal or re label deal, you know, to be able to have a proactive relationship. So you're on top of what, you know, the, in this case, the publisher is doing, Mm -hmm. You know what they're looking for, mm -hmm. um, and not to be passive about it. Where it's like, yeah, I got, I got signed, I got my advance. I'm just gonna sit back, write mm -hmm. songs, and and no. just, just hope for the best. Yep, and then you'll just be sitting around with a loan that you gotta pay back, because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> people think like, oh man, they they got a deal for three point two million. Yeah, that's a loan that they gotta pay back. Okay, so at the end of the day hit the ground running, pay your taxes, always pay your taxes and, you know, and don't stop, you know, it's, it's, it's a marathon, you know? Right. It's a marathon. So we're going to fast track. Uh, so now you have two big placements between Whitney Houston and Keisha Cole. Um, where's that transition into corporate life? You know, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Once I got back to Houston um, with my ex-husband, it was really like, the doom of the music industry hit you oh, know that was like 2008 2009 so like the economy crashed the music industry crashed real estate crashed the um bailout with the car industry crashed the auto industry everything was just a mess and we had the arrival of napster and um all these file sharing companies that were converting cds to mp3 formats yeah so people who are no longer you know, physically running out to go buy an album anymore, but they're actually using all this new great technology to, right. you know, uh, have music at their disposal. And unfortunately, the music industry took a very hard hit because we were not ready. And yeah. the powers that be, all the record label heads and all the big executives who thought that all this was under control with the manufacturers were unprepared, clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then here comes the streaming sites yep. trickling on in the States, yep. trying to barter these deals with the labels. Yep. Hey, you know, we got all this money. Let's have your catalog and convert everything over to us and make your, your fans or their fans, you know, come listen to our technology to get access to this music. Now, when we used to just be able to walk into a store, uh, a mom and pop store and go get our favorite, you know, CD or, yeah. or, or cassette tapes. Yeah. I mean, that was like the thing to do, you know, but no, it's not like that anymore. And so now the industry is taking a turn for the worse. And, you know, my, my, my partner, you know, that I'm raising a family with, you know, he's like in his last year of school and I'm, you know, trying to hold it down with the royalties, you know, right. that I'm making, but you know, royalties come every quarter. So it's a different type of uh, situation, you know, waiting around for a check, you know? And we had a huge house yeah. and, you know, land yeah. and cars and stuff. We're like living. But I was like, y'all got to get a job. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that is about as real as I can get with you. Like, yeah. I was like, you know what? I need something a little bit more consistent, you know, just in our mm -hmm. household. And so I decided to, uh, I had already been learning how to do websites in college, but we were doing HTML. Oh. 
And so a partner of mine, a, a business partner of mine named Orbit, he's a huge videographer um, that does a lot of videos, you know, down south. And he's like, yo, Tim, like, I know you used to code back in the day. I need you to come through. Can you show me how to do some coding? And I can show you how these new templates work. And so I was like, templates? He's like, yeah, like you can put together a website with like a theme and a template. It's already laid out. You just got to know how to code it and put it in properly. That's so, <laughs> yeah, it, it was before WordPress. We were using Joomla. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> Joomla, right? Wow. So, but you know what? That was like the best experience for me because after yeah. after I learned Joomla, um, I had found out there was an opportunity at 97.9 The Box in Houston. They mm. didn't have a digital team and they didn't have anyone that really knew how to like manipulate the websites and add all the juicy gossip and entertainment news and right. everything that the industry was now evolving to where radio right. stations were becoming like news outlets, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I actually applied for the job. Um, I had showed them an example of what I had done working with Orbit uh, for his site. And they were like, uh, when can you start? Hired. <laughs> <laughs> So I remember the general sales manager was like, uh, would you mind also uh, working on the sales side too? And the content team was like, no, she's ours. No, she's staying on our side, you know? Yeah. Because so, they like my presentation so much. So that was pretty fun. Like the whole team in Houston, shout out to Radio 1 Houston, Radio 1 Atlanta, um, Radio 1 Dallas. I just literally started building all those relationships. And then I got promoted to regional manager, regional content director. Mm -hmm. Then I started hiring other people in, in several markets. And then I was just like, you know what? This is too easy. The money was rolling in good. Um, I was having yeah. fun because I'm at the radio station. So I'm around music every day and they know that I'm a writer. So it, yeah. just, it was just fun. You know, I just really got a chance to see behind the scenes how that the whole radio world was. Uh, you know, very, a lot of work required of us. I'm not gonna lie, it was a lot of work. Uh, but it did teach me a lot. And then um, my ex and I, we broke up and decided that we wanted to just, you know, just be friends. Um, I ended up moving back to Atlanta and started our life, me and my daughter, we started over. Um, and, you know, my ex and I have a great co-parenting relationship. So he was there every step of the way, just making sure we were straight. But, uh, Ooh, they throwing a lot up there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but other than that, we you know I, I transitioned and was able to work at Radio One Atlanta, and so I started working Ricky Smiley Morning Show, and so we just took his whole brand to the next level. I worked with the New York office, Interactive One, and we you know put together a production plan on all of his content on social media, and so that was really cool. And you know I did that until uh, 2017. I worked with Ricky. I worked with Ed Lover. I worked wow. with um, Maria Moore. She had her own show, Midday. She does all this fitness and health stuff. And then we had like, you know, uh, Chubb Rock and his team later that evening. We had the Dirty Boys on Hot 107.9, Miss Shanika, just a whole roster of dope personalities on like urban AC and hip hop formats, you know, and the gospel station as well. So it was just a cool ride. Wow. I mean, I think that's super cool too, just because I feel like, you know, I've spoken to songwriters and, you know, songwriters sometimes may feel ashamed that they have to work a day job sometimes because mm -hmm. they want to write songs all the time. But you had an opportunity to learn about the radio space and add your, and, you know, at this time, I remember they used to call it new media, like digital. Yeah, they did. Um, and really be able to like have your, your webbing chops and like integrated to like the website. And it's so important because you don't want to be siloed into like this one thing. 
and you were able to adapt even given the economy and the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, you know, despite you still being a songwriter, you were able to like pivot, um, be able to support your family. And this is a lesson I think is important for those that are watching that even though you have a, a goal in mind, you can still make these pivots, um, still be part of music and still be able to support yourself because, you know, there's going to be a time where both those um, paths will cross mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And and it did in your case, right? Because you yeah. made a decision, or right? it was in 2017. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, I um I made a decision that by that time my career had kind of evolved to where I was teaching more workshops and teaching people the business of music. Also, um, I literally did like a split sheet video on in 2012, just on my YouTube at my house in my own studio, just kind of explaining what that is. But then I started getting a lot of engagement and people asking questions about it. And so I would just kind of play around with YouTube. I didn't really take it serious. I was just like, oh, it's a place I can go put my videos up and like yeah, connect yeah. with my fans and people who like my music, whatever, you know, because I still try to be an artist during that time when I was still back in Houston, just trying to kind of figure it out. But now I'm a family woman now, you know, I have a husband, I have a kid, you know, so right. it was just kind of like a whole balancing act the whole time. But once I got back to Atlanta, I was like, yo, I gotta focus on my songwriting. Like, this is what I know for sure, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt has brought me so much success. And I do not want to give up on this. So I'm going to get back to Atlanta. I'm going to get me a great babysitter somebody that I can trust. Mm -hmm. I'm going to network with a lot of my songwriting and producer friends. Um, and I'm going to work this job and I'm going to raise my daughter. And I just, I just came with intention. I came with purpose and I was very relentless in my intention. I did not let up. I mean, I will tell you, Drew, there were nights where I literally would, you know, be in the studio till two, three in the morning, but I have mm -hmm. to be back home to get my daughter up at six, you know, so I'm, I'm leaving I'm leaving there, rushing home, trying to get three or four hours of sleep so I can wake her up, get her prepared for school. Because that was one thing I always said. I would never miss my child getting up for school, and I would never miss picking her up from school. That was, that was non-negotiable, right? So I, I don't care how late. I could have been walking in at 5.30 and the alarm goes off at 6. Like, yes. whatever it takes to make sure that when she opens her eyes, she sees my face. She knows that I'm there. Um, and then I would get her ready for school. And then, hey, I might just have to close close the blinds in my office and close the door, go straight to work and get like probably about 15 minutes of sleep, you know, just take me a power nap and just kind of get through it until it was lunchtime and then go in my car and sleep for another couple of, a couple of 30 minutes or so to an hour, grab something to eat. But I just did what I had to do and I, I didn't let up on it. And, I tell you this last thing. Um, one thing I can say that I did struggle with was being in an environment where people are there. Like, say, for instance, I would see different celebrities and stuff that are coming through to, mm -hmm. to, to do their interviews with all these different jocks and stuff. Right. Being in the environment with them, knowing that I'm actually a writer but I couldn't really have that conversation because I'm here as a digital yeah. producer. That was the most uncomfortable space for me. Even though 
the radio station staff, they put, they supported me because, you know, obviously I have accolades and good name, a good name for myself in the industry right. and I got good credits to my name. But it just still was uncomfortable because if you're sitting in the studio and you're with an artist who you like know you got some records for, mm -hmm. it's just uncomfortable to try to have that conversation when they're there to promote their album or they're there to promote whatever initiative. So I never was the type that was trying to put my own you know, self in front of what my job was. I definitely made the separation and distinction. Like, no, I'm here to be a digital producer. So if they do find out that I'm a songwriter, then great, we can have the conversation. But I wasn't trying to like promote my side stuff at my job. I just felt like that was very tacky, you know? Right. I think that's super important to note. Um, you know, even me, like, you know, obviously people know me for as a digital marketer at a mm -hmm. label. Um, you know, obviously the Digilog as well, but people don't know I've been managing a songwriter for five years. Right. So that's the reason why I can speak to these terms because I've been part of the experience, but I don't necessarily let people know that only for people in those spaces that I have relationships with. Right. And, you know, um, it's important to kind of distinguish the two because, you know, they're just two different things. And if you're to have that conversation, it should be the right moment you know, the, the right opportunity, not given like to your point when the artist is trying to promote their album. So. Right. It's like, yeah. nobody cares that you're a songwriter. Like stop trying to like yeah. get me to do business yeah. with you. I'm here to promote my record. I need to sell this record. You know, right. I need to promote this single. And so I would have people that would be like, yo, tell them that you a songwriter and that you do this and do that. And I'm like, uh, nah, like, let's just focus on me getting good content because that's what's yeah. going to pay my bills. Okay. Yes. So, you know, if this story blows up and goes viral and ends up on like Bossip and ends up on Shave Room, then it's a great win for my company and my team, my division. So, you know, I just, I, I tried to, you know, again, be very considerate of what I was hired to do. And then there were opportunities where, you know, there was someone like, man, I just need a dope writer, man. I'm just so tired of the records that I've been producing. Or maybe the DJ is having a conversation with the artist and they're like, yo, these records, uh, let me bring Tammy in here. You know what I'm saying? So it's, when it was organically done right. that way, then it made sense to me to morph into my purpose, right? But I, 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 I'm saying that because a lot of times people have to work other jobs and take on other things to keep their head above water and pay bills and support their families. But you really have to understand that it's, it's all about knowing how to move. You got to know how to move. You got to understand and master the art of you know, just right. knowing how and when to pull the trigger on certain things. Um, you can't be over anxious and over zealous to where you're just trying to get on so bad that you compromise something that is really taking care of you and mm -hmm. your family because right. you just want to get on so bad. Now, sometimes you just have those Kanye moments, right? Or <laughs> let me say Big Sean moments where Big Sean was saying he was at the radio station and he just freestyle yeah. with Kanye all the way down into the elevator, you know, something like that. I don't, I don't know if it, that, that was verbatim, but I remember right. him saying that whole idea, like, man, I wasn't letting up, like, Ye was going to sign me, you know? You may have right. those opportunities, but in that case, he came as a rapper trying to get on, whereas in my case, you know, I came in to do one job, and that's what people respected me for, you know? Sure. And I was able to, you know, get promotions and all kinds of stuff in that area so I didn't want to lose that opportunity and I wanted to be classy about it and 
and still respect the role. You know what I'm saying? And so I, right. I just I just hope that whoever's listening, that you guys understand that you got to know how to move and you got to learn when to, yeah, when to when it's time to go ahead and just step into that space because sure you it sure. may look like it's the right time but you really have to assess and have that situational awareness around you to know okay okay I can I can play this move you know mm-hmm. you know this is not checkers it's chess you know yeah. And I think that's something I've learned and been respectful for just because, you know, even in my position, like, you know, that's why I, I created Digilog so we can empower the independent community. But it gets tricky when, you know, obviously I work on the label side where, you know, I can't guarantee people opportunities because, you know, it's a different entity. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. have control over certain things. Correct. Um, and, you know, when, you know, people reach out and then, their intentions are different where it's like they'll submit a song or an A&R will like try to send something, you know, you know, for an artist that's on our roster. Um, I think if we don't have necessarily a rapport or relationship, then more often than not, I'm going to be, I'm going to respectfully not reply just because you, you've kind of skipped the steps to build that relationship. Correct. Uh, if, I, if I know if you're an accomplished producer and songwriter, I'm happy to do it just because, you have credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that for those that are independent, they can't do that. But I think from a relationship standpoint, being able to like reach a place where we can both talk naturally and be like, hey, I know you're working hard. I, I'm hearing the stuff. You're posting stuff. You're working hard. I'm happy to go out of my way to introduce you. But it's finding that time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, w- I wanted to make that point. Um, so important juncture. 2017, mm-hmm. uh, becoming this entrepreneur. Uh, we talked about that pivot earlier, and this is really the last leg mm-hmm. of this because this is now what you're doing now. What, what yeah. were those initial ideas to start uh, Mezzo, the agency? Um, and then, you know, just you becoming an investor for the labs and really mm-hmm. empowering songwriters in terms of education and giving them the, the resources to protect their copyright. Um, you know, collect their royalties and and be well, just well-educated songwriters and producers. Yeah, so I had been telling you, like, me doing the workshops and stuff, that had been very successful for me. So I would take trips, you know, uh, about every month or so to speak at different universities and colleges throughout the years, you know. Um, once 2017 hit and I put in my resignation, um, I actually started Mezzo, but I worked under a different a different name with a former business partner and I was it was really marketing at first because I knew that I was coming out of the space of digital content and media uh no web design graphic design all that kind of stuff that was my area you know I had a dope graphic designer and we were helping people in the city of Atlanta who needed to get their business startup media packages together and media collateral and then um, working with a few advertisers who needed an agency that would kind of facilitate you know the needs from their clients and stuff like that but it just didn't it, it just wasn't it just I just wasn't passionate about it anymore I was yeah. just like I do music now you know so yeah. what I did was I started <clears throat> I just started getting back on YouTube uh, a little bit more aggressively just trying to play catch up and kind of reactivating those relationships from followers and fans and getting a little bit more active with teaching and dropping gems on my Instagram about the music business and 
different things that were going on. And then uh, I started seeing that there were opportunities for songwriters to be able to start getting their own, uh, getting other royalties, like your money from YouTube, your money from, you know, uh, sound exchange, yeah. um, money from international royalties, um, and, and just the digital streaming royalties that nobody had really tapped into. And I was like, what's going on? Like, nobody's talking about this, you know? So then I started meeting different partners. Um, I started figuring out that they too were in the loop about what was going on. Um, shout out to Song Trust. They were one of my partners. Um, and they were like, look, we love everything that you have going on. Let's do like an interview, you know, let's, you know, do a partnership and let's like kind of work on trying to get us more writers because you, that's your target audience and they just need to understand what we do. And at the same time, you know, what you do, we're not trying to take away from that, but let's just kind of help each other. We'll help you, you help us. And it just seemed to be a great marriage, you know? And right. so uh, that literally was what I was doing, trying to brand it. Didn't really know that it was going to be Mezzo yet. I had the idea that I, I was going to do an agency, but I just didn't know yet the whole model of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started just doing that on the side in addition to building my content back up. And then I started getting all these speaking engagements again. And then I ran into Farah, who owns the labs. She is an African-American woman here in Atlanta. She's awesome. She has this great technology software that actually helps automate your splits while you're collaborating in, in, in this workspace. Um, in addition to uh, inviting a producer into your session, you guys can be in two different places at one time and be able to create remotely. Who would have known we'll be going through what we're going through now with COVID, right. right? But she was already ahead of the game in 2018 now. And I met her at A3C actually she said she saw me speaking at another uh event and okay. she was like you had so many people around you Tammy I just I just felt like I would be annoying as hell to come and talk to you but you know um we end up going to a women in music event because I'm a, I was a founding member I am the founding member of women in music Atlanta wow. and um and so she was like hey I know you don't know me but this is my platform and I'm like oh my god this platform is amazing this actually goes with what I talk about you know Right. So we just started building a relationship business uh, wise and I was just giving her all my marketing ideas and things that they could do to really help expand the brand. And she was like, Hey, you know, can I offer you this role? You know? And I'm like, okay, we got to talk business, see what this really is going to be about because I do believe in the product, but I also need to know what my obligations would be because I have tons of things going on, you know? And so after we sat down and I knew that they had A3C coming up again, I was like, look, we have to roll this thing out. We have to get, you know, a, a table set up, we have to do an activation, we have to do all this stuff to really make an impact and start getting people signing up for this platform. So now we're in 2018, okay? And yeah. I'm now activating relationships with the labs, secured my ownership in that, also secured my relationship with Song Trust, also started getting clients who were still looking for royalties that they had not found. So I'm doing my due diligence with all my different software and my different programs and partnerships and third parties. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so much money out here. And, um, then I started really like, okay. And I still am a creator. So if I can put all of this together, I can provide my education through my platform. I can sign writers and producers and help them identify royalties that they didn't know was out there. I can also create opportunities, you know, by my relationships, because of course I'm signing Sony ATV. So Sony 
is going to tell me what they need and I can provide the opportunities for my writers and producers, you know, and we can still work. You know, this, this could be a whole new situation. Plus I'm managing catalogs now because I have people coming to me and I'm able to license and handle all of their clearances. So I was like, that's it. <laughs> I am the person that's in the middle of all this music. And so that's how Mezzo was born because Mezzo wow. obviously means middle, you know, in Italian. So wow. <sighs> it just came together, Drew. <laughs> uh, so December so 2018. December 2018. And for the audience, um, you know, it's great to hear this because it didn't necessarily happen overnight, right? No. Mm -hmm. then where your experiences as as a, as a young songwriter to working um you know in a you know obviously the publishing space working in radio and just like all these experiences and the the landscape of music is changing um was this kind of a culmination finding that moment where to your point with mezzo me being middle being the middle of it and just you know, stirring the pot, like, yeah. you know, all right, yeah. this, is, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Um, and I feel like everyone will catch their stride, right? Everyone has a different timeline. I just want to just point that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to be able to recognize that is super important, one, but to be able to act on it is even more important. Absolutely. And knowing when to act on it, because it's not always, you know, when you want to, it, it just literally has to be that defining moment, like, where you know, without a shadow of a doubt, this is it. And I would strongly encourage anyone who's listening, please, 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 I don't care what you believe in, but tap into your spirituality. It is the best guide, your intuition, your gut feeling, that thing that just kind of gives you that automatic confirmation where you know, like, oh my God, this had to have come from a different place because like that, that is what I, I'm telling you, that is what has propelled me. That is what has sustained me is just my life being led by a higher power that can do so much more than I can on my own. And uh, just staying connected through prayer, through meditation. I get up every morning at six o'clock and meditate. Even though my daughter is not even in school, it's a, it's a Sunday morning. It's a Saturday morning yesterday. It's a Friday morning. My daughter's not even here, but I get up at six o'clock. I go to my altar. I pray. You know, I have my moments with God, um, my ancestors, you know, and I really, really just try to tap in. And I, I spend that time. Sometimes I can meditate for 20 minutes. Sometimes I can meditate for an hour. It just... I just don't, I, I allow that space and that time to be whatever it is. And then when I'm done, then I get my day started, you know? And so that has definitely helped me. It's helped me to stay aware throughout the day. You know, it's helped me with uh, dealing with different hardships and, you know, dealing with people who may not necessarily have a spiritual foundation. You can definitely tell in people's lifestyle, you know? And so it's just been a great guide for me. So I definitely, you know, I'm not trying to push religion or anything on anyone, but spirituality, I think we all should tap into, especially in times like this. Yeah, no, it's, it's super important. And just, just because I think it's easy for people to get clouded with their thoughts um, mm -hmm. in terms of like, for example, like what's happening in society, you know, people's own personal issues that they're dealing with, family issues and so forth. And um, to be able to accomplish your goals, you need to like really reset, kind of see the playing yes. field, and just to be able just to just 
to take those next steps, right? Yes. You know, because you don't want to be blind about taking these steps because it's easy to do that. When, right, uh, right. When, you, you know, things are not necessarily clear. And uh, yeah, for the audience, definitely take note. It's super important, especially when um, you, you face mo moments of adversity. Um, for sure. You know, to be able to kind of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, this has been amazing. Um, you know, you've obviously we've spoken and kind of really spoken on the timeline of your career and really broke down all these different pivotal moments, these lessons learned, these great experiences. Um, we always like to cap off our L's episode with, you know, what's been your biggest lesson learned um, through this career of yours that you've created in this, this, this new entrepreneurship that now that you're running this, you know, the mezzo agency um, for the audience? Um, I would say that um, I'm forever a student, um, even though I had gotten my degree and, nice. you know, um, worked in corporate America for nine years as by that time I was national producer when I left. Um, when I became an entrepreneur, I was a student again to the life of entrepreneurship, you know, and so I really dove into, you know, all these free courses online and mindset workshops and meditation workshops and balance and understanding different parts of our brain and how we process information and productivity and multitasking and accounting and you know, marketing. And I just really started like just being a student and digesting everything because I knew that until I was able to hire a staff, which I, I have now five people that work for me. But before then I had to do everything on my own and I had to learn how to do it, you know, until I was able to afford someone else, you know, to, to help. So, you know, when, when you're operating in that way, you have to be willing to submit yourself humble yourself and learn because you just don't know everything and it's okay to not know everything just like yes. submit to that calling of i'm going to a new step in my life and i'm gonna have to sit down and learn some things for the first time and um and i was very disciplined also that's another thing i would say D if you are not disciplined okay mm. this is not entrepreneurship is not for you because there's no one outside of your alarm clock that is giving you instruction on what to do. You have to set your own schedule every Sunday. Like if I was not on the line with you, I would actually be planning out my week for next week. That's what I'm about to do when we get off. Um, from prepping my emails. I love the Google, uh, the Google, the G Suite feature where you can schedule your emails now. Yes. So I can kind of get ahead of the game with uh -huh. emails from people that sent me stuff on Thursday or Friday that I probably hadn't had a chance to like respond to yet. Mm -hmm. I try to take time off during the weekend, you know, to really just like relax and stuff. And, you know, I do a little work every now and then I can't help it. But, yeah. but when it comes down to like emails, I only, um, I try to schedule out meetings um, for Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I schedule my meetings in my emails. I probably pre-schedule them so that I'm not just sitting there having to manually schedule emails and go back and forth throughout my day. Right. So a lot of times at eight in the morning, 10 people are getting emails from me at the same time because I've just kind of scheduled the model all the way out. And then that kind of sets up your week because they're responding later that day. And you can kind of say, okay, well, let's meet Tuesday or Wednesday, or let's, mm -hmm. you know, let me respond back to this or let me get back with you on that. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, uh, you know, learning, being a student, uh, automation is king 
you know, learning how to pre-schedule stuff, your social media, you know, I have a coordinator who does that for me as well. Um, also being disciplined. And I would also say, you know, your mindset, you know, when you work for yourself, like literally, if you don't go out there in that jungle and kill anything, you're not going to eat. So what that means is your mindset has to be, how am I bringing value to my customers? Right. And once you realize what your value is to them, then you can put value on that. You know, once you know that they are seeing what your service or your product is, is bringing, you know, it's, it's going to bring them a, a better quality of life or help them get yeah. through something quicker, or you're providing a service that they couldn't find any other place. Now you have value and then setting your value and not, not breaking on that. Like, don't, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? With your pricing, but don't sell yourself short, you know, thinking that, oh, maybe I'm charging too much. I need to drop my prices. I've, I had that struggle where I was just like, man, how much do I charge for a consultation? How much do I charge for this? How much do I charge for a course? You know, but after a while, you know, you either have people paying you for what you're worth, or they're going to look at you as a cheap brand, whether you're selling a service or a product, because you're not really putting value on you know, the, the, the greatness that you're providing them or bringing them. And so I would just, I would, I would also say study, you know, lifestyles of like the wealthy and, 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 and the rich, not to just be so caught up and focused on being wealthy and being rich, because I never want people to just focus solely on money. You have to focus on value and creativity and innovation. All of that stuff is important because that's what keeps the excitement and a passion going, you know, but you need to understand how these people think because yeah. if you're if you're used to working a 9 to 5 getting a set salary every day then you're going to still be operating in that behavior and lifestyle whereas entrepreneurs you know we just jump off the building and build a plane on the way down we don't we don't necessarily know what the hell is about to happen we just going to take the leap of faith right and so i would just say just be willing to learn and have discipline to take care of yourself take care of your your business you know, follow through, be professional with your clients because nine times out of 10, if you're an entrepreneur, a lot of your work is going to be word of mouth, you know? Um, and people will remember how you treated them. They will remember how you handled their business and they will either say bad things or say good things. So just make sure that they say good things about you. Right. Um, and then I think one other thing I would say is um, persevere. You know, I don't really hear that word a lot. Maybe endure you know, but it's not going to always be, you know, just a celebration. You know, I always say, I want to make sure I earn my pillow at night. Facts. Whether I made money or not, did I earn my pillow that night? You know, and so that's how I go into every day. I give it my all. Um, you know, I'm able to kind of create my schedule now at this point, but some, but before that, my schedule was running me, you know, and I had to fit everything else in between, but before I go to bed that night, I'm recapping everything. Did I do this? Did I do that? I set my to-do list. I have a planner. I have a digital calendar. My digital calendar also is in my planner that I carry with me because I, I like to still write and just, you know, keep notes and stuff around. But I'm very, 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 very big on keeping myself focused and on a calendar, on a schedule. And that, that, that comes from discipline, you know? Right. Huge. A lot of lessons learned um, that you just broke down. So I'm just going to yeah. recap a little bit. Uh, <laughs> super important, though. First, forever a student. Um, 
even in your position, my position, um, I'm always have an appetite for learning. And I learn a lot from the youth, right? I lean on them for insight yes. because they got their ears to the streets. Yeah, they so, sure do. I like, you know, for me, even, you know, in our meetings and I always want to hear from the folks that either you're an intern or because, you know, I'm, I'm always seeing everything from a big picture point of view. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to like apply things a little bit more in depth, um, touch base and touch base with culture. So, you know, sometimes you don't have the bandwidth too. So that's why you have a team for that. Right. Um, to your other point, discipline, um, for the young entrepreneurs, that really want to do this, take notes uh, from Tammy. Um, you know, it's important to have that focus and organization, right? Whether it's mapping out your 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 meetings, being able to like you know really organize your meetings for certain days of the week, mm -hmm. being able to preset your meeting, your emails beforehand, and just being able to just have a game plan for the week versus yeah. kind of like playing it cool, playing it by ear. <laughs> yeah, day by day. No, no, yeah. that's how your day ends. That's how your week ends up running you. You know, you got to run your week, you know? Run your weeks. More. That's that's super important. And we talked about perseverance, mm -hmm. uh, having that focus because, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're always figuring things out. Uh, but if you have that drive, anything is possible. Um, sometimes it just takes more time than usual. But yeah, um, a lot of great lessons learned, I know. <laughs> Alicia and Brandon are definitely uh, getting some gems here tonight. <laughs> I'm getting some gems as well. And I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of you for a minute. Um, even you. You know, when we met at our offline meetup in Atlanta. And now that uh, we get to collaborate on this health podcast. And for those, this, this episode is going to be coming out, you know, towards, you know, the end of August. But I just, you know, you're also be, you're going to be teaching our basics and best practices for the business of songwriting. Yes. As well, I can, now wait, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited. But we're going to have um, Tammy's socials um, just to make sure in the description, um, your YouTube channel to mm -hmm. support her on that and all socials uh, of the Mezzo agency in our business, the labs in our description. So make sure to support Tammy. She's disrupting the game, the songwriting game, and the music game in general. So can't thank you enough. Um, thank you so much. I, I'm always blessed to, you know, support you <laughs> in any kind of way. Yeah, I appreciate it. And more importantly, uh, sh shout out to the digital community for tuning in. Y'all yes. have been amazing during this pandemic. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people comment, and people are really excited for this class. So yeah. uh, I can't wait. Um, but episode 17 of the L's. We'll see the digital community soon for episode 18 and peace out. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.